You're listening to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library Podcast. There's practically no limit to what you can learn and see when you belong to the Livingston Library. From Welcome, dear listener, and thank you so much for tuning in to the November 2021 episode of L-Town Radio, the Livingston Public Library podcast. My name is Joe. I'm one of the librarians here in the Adult Services and Acquisitions Department. Coming up in this episode, Kitty will drop by to tell us about some of the most anticipated upcoming reads headed to the library in November. Hong Mei will once again share a song that is very special to her. Archino will, of course, tell us about some of the exciting programs up ahead on our November calendar. And the crew will talk about some of the books or films that are especially meaningful to them and their families. Because, of course, we are coming up on the holiday season where many of us will be spending a lot more time with our families. And speaking of, first, I want to share some uh, Thanksgiving-themed stories that I found in my uh, frequent digging through the local history archives in the uh, old issues of the West Essex Tribune. If you heard this, uh, the episode of L-Town Radio last month, you might remember uh, I found some stories that appeared in the West Essex Tribune around Halloween uh, many decades ago, um, written by students from the local schools. And if you did hear that, you may remember that some of them got quite disturbing, even though they were they were disturbing in a very funny and cute way. Um, so because I had so much fun reading all those children's Halloween stories last month, I figured I'd, I'd do it again, this time reading some Thanksgiving-themed stories that uh, local school children wrote and which appeared in uh, the West Essex Tribune many, many decades ago. Um, And you know what? Some of these are actually even more disturbing than some of the Halloween stories from last month. Um, Again, in a a fairly innocent and cute way, but a little little odd nonetheless. And frankly, I think uh, these stories will make us see uh, the Thanksgiving holiday through the perspective of some whom we don't normally uh, appreciate the perspective of. And that, of course, is the Thanksgiving turkey. Um, So this first story appeared in the November 27th, 1947 edition of the West Essex Tribune. It was written by Nancy, a second grader, and the story is called The Day Before Thanksgiving. It was the day before Thanksgiving. Tom went out to see his fat turkey. He said, Goodbye, Mr. Turkey. I won't see you tomorrow out here, but I'll see you on the dinner table. 
this next story is also called The Day Before Thanksgiving. It was written by Joan, also a second creator. And the story goes like this. Billy said, This is the last day I can feed Mr. Turkey. He is not happy because he knows that he is going to be our Thanksgiving dinner. Um, the next story is called The Turkey Gobbler by a second grader named Barbara. Thanksgiving Day will soon be here. My father went outdoors to kill the turkey. The turkey went gobble gobble. Uh, the next is a poem by a first grader named Jill. And it goes, The turkey gobbles very hard as he walks in my farmyard. Pretty soon he has a date heaped up high upon my plate. Um, all right. Um, sorry if this is getting a little dark. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, some... A story that uh, might be have a little more levity to it. This is from the November 24th, 1949 uh, edition of the West Essex Tribune. Uh, this was written by a sixth grader named Nancy. Uh, not the same Nancy from earlier. And this is called How I Didn't Become a Thanksgiving Dinner by Thomas T. Turkey. One day, my mother hatched some eggs. I was one of the babies. After I hatched, I grew and grew. Later, it got near Thanksgiving. The cook was looking for a nice turkey for Thanksgiving dinner. One day, she came to the pen to look for a nice one. She spied two nice ones. One was I, Thomas T. Turkey, and the other, an enemy of mine. The cook didn't know which one to pick. She decided to let two children decide. They picked me. Then a man came and took me out of the pen and put me on a chopping block. He had just gotten the axe ready when I flew away. Everyone was chasing me, but they couldn't catch me. No siree. They finally gave up. Afterwards, the cook said she really didn't want me anyway. My enemy was then Thanksgiving dinner. That's how I didn't become Thanksgiving dinner. All right, well, it, that one didn't turn out so good for Thomas T. Turkey's enemy, but at least our narrator made it out okay. All right, let's 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 go to this next one. Let's see if this one is a little lighter. Uh, this is also by a sixth grader named Gordon. Uh, it's from the same uh, issue as the last story, November 24th, 1949, edition of the West Essex Tribune. This is called Tim and Tom the Turkeys. Tim and I, with other turkeys, were riding to a farm where we could be taken care of and fed. As the summer passed along and fall came, it was time for Thanksgiving. We were to be sold to people for Thanksgiving dinners. Tim and I were sold first. We were taken away in a big box and then put into a car. We got to the house and we were put into a barn. The next day, we had our heads chopped off. Ouch! That hurt! Then we were taken into the house, and all of our feathers were taken off. Then we were taken upstairs and had stuffing put into us. The next day we were popped into the oven. Then we were put on the table. Then they started cutting me. Ouch! That knife is sharp! Tim and I were being cut and put on plates. Then I felt somebody stick something into me. Ouch! 
that was only a fork. Then they stuck it into their mouth. Ouch! Your teeth hurt! Thanksgiving dinner was over, and we were both thankful for that, even though we were eaten up. Now we will no longer be in pain. Oui. Um, all right. Uh, this next story is by Robert, also grade six. It's called The Turkey. One day, a turkey was gobbling happily in his shed. This was no ordinary turkey, because he had won prizes at the fairs. The money he won kept the poor family he belonged to wealthy enough so that they could get along. But this year, something happened. He didn't win any prizes, and Thanksgiving was coming up. The family had nothing to eat. The turkey knew this, so he tried to stay out of their way. When Thanksgiving came and his master came out of the house with an axe, he knew he was in for it. But what do you think he said to the farmer? He said, When the pilgrims first came to America, they gave thanks for arriving safely. And ever since then, on every Thanksgiving day, we also give thanks. But you're not giving me any thanks for supporting you all these years. Then the farmer started to cry and bought a chicken instead. And they all lived happily ever after. Oh, that was a nice one. Okay, uh, this one is by Barry in sixth grade. It's called The Thanksgiving Story. Two turkeys were in the backyard, and one was eating corn, and the other was not eating so well. The fat turkey looked up at the thin turkey and asked him why he wasn't eating. He replied he didn't want to get fat and be killed for Thanksgiving. So the fat turkey said that the family was going out for Thanksgiving, and neither of them would be killed. However, the thin turkey still refused to eat very much and remained very thin. When Thanksgiving came, there was a big snowstorm, and the family could not go out to eat. The master went out to the yard to pick the fat turkey. When the turkeys saw the master coming, the thin turkey said to the fat turkey, It looks like you will be killed for dinner. The fat turkey replied, if I'm killed now, then you will be killed for Christmas, even if you're thin or fat. I guess I will only live till Christmas, but I will be happy while I can, was the thin turkey's answer as he saw his friend leave him. Well, that's, um, you gotta admire that kind of stoicism. Um, even, even optimism, I guess. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, Okay, so we got one more, and I, I, I promise this one this one is, is not so much a bummer. This is from November 18th, 1954. Uh, it is by a third grader named Sandy, and it's called Thanksgiving. Once there was a turkey. His name was Rover. Rover was a nice turkey. The kids used to come over and play with Rover and I. One week before Thanksgiving, I went to feed Rover, and he wasn't there. That day, I looked all over the fields and the barnyard. Where was Rover? The next day, I went to look for Rover. What do you think I saw? Rover! There he was in his cage all the time. The end. Okay, that was that was a nice one to end on. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry if, if I bummed anyone out uh, too much to kick off this Thanksgiving season. Um, but... At least maybe through the 
the wisdom of these children from decades past. Maybe uh, at least we can can pause and reflect and look at Thanksgiving uh, from a perspective that we don't normally look at it from. Uh, anyway, uh, as usual, uh, every month we have a lot of great books coming our way to the library. And as usual, Katie, the head of our Adult Services and Acquisitions Department, is here to tell us about some of them. Katie? Who besides me is thankful for books this November? Find your new favorite book to be thankful for with this handy list. Check out the following books at www.livingstonlibrary.org via Overdrive and Libby. First up, we have Stranger in the Lifeboat by Mitch Album, Fiction, on November 2nd. What would happen if we called on God for help and God actually appeared? In Mitch Album's profound new novel of hope and faith, a group of shipwrecked passengers pull a strange man from the sea. He claims to be the Lord and says he can only save them if they all believe in him. Koki, A Life Well Lived by Stephen Roberts is a biography on November 2nd. The extraordinary life and legacy of legendary journalist Koki Roberts, a trailblazer for women, remembered by her friends and family. Game On by Janet Ivanowicz Fitch is a mystery on November 2nd. Stephanie Plum returns to hunt down a master cyber criminal operating out of Trenton in the 28th book in the wildly popular series by number one New York Times bestselling author, Janet Ivanovich. The Sentence by Louise Erdrich is literary and is out on November 9th. In this very brave, unusual, and forceful novel, Pulitzer Prize and National Book Award-winning author Louise Erdrich creates a wickedly funny ghost story, a tale of compassion, of a complex marriage, and of a woman's relentless error. The Left-Handed Twin by Thomas Perry is a mystery on November 16th. Rescue artist Jane Whitefield leads a deadly crime syndicate on a wild chase through the Northeast. Next is The Changing World Order by Ray Dalio, nonfiction on November 16th. From the number one New York Times bestselling author of Principles and Legendary Investor, who has spent half a century studying global markets, The Changing World Order examines history's most turbulent economic and political periods to reveal why the times ahead will likely be radically different from those we've experienced in our lifetimes. The Dickens Boy by Thomas Kennelly is literary on November 16th. The award-winning author of modern classics such as Schindler's List and Napoleon's Last Island is at his triumphant best with this vibrant and engaging novel about the adventures of Charles Dickens' son in the Australian outback during the 1860s. Flying Angels by Danielle Steele is historical on November 23rd. World War II brings together six remarkable young flight nurses who face the challenges of war and its many heartbreaks and victories as unsung heroes. This inspiring novel from number one New York Times bestselling author, Danielle Steele. Go Tell the Bees That I Am Gone by Diana Gabaldon is historical fiction, November 23rd. Jamie Frazier and Claire Randall were torn apart by the Jacobit Rising of 1744, and it took them 20 years to find each other again. Now the American Revolution threatens to do the same. 
And to wrap it up, we have Wish You Were Here by Jody Picoult, fiction on November 30th. From the New York Times bestselling author of Small Great Things and the Book of Two Ways comes a deeply moving novel about the resilience of the human spirit in a moment of crisis. I hope you check out these books. I hope you're thankful for them. And I will see you next month. All right. Thanks as always, Katie. We are just about at the halfway point of our episode, which means it's a great time to uh, turn it over to Hong Mei, who is going to share a song that is very special to her, especially in light of the upcoming holiday season. Hong Mei. Today, I'm going to share with you a song called Thanksgiving Song by Mary Chopin Carpenter. This is a beautiful, calming song that brings us back so many wonderful memories. The lyrics are so touching, especially due to the pandemic. Here is part of the lyrics. Grateful for each hand we hold, gathered round this table. From far and near we travel home, blessed that we are able. Grateful for this sheltered place, with light in every window, saying, welcome, welcome, share this feast. Coming away from sorrow, father, mother, daughter, son, neighbor, friend, and friendless, all together, everyone, in the gift of loving kindness. Grateful for what's understood, and all that is forgiven. We try so hard to be good, to lead a life worth living. Thank you for sharing that, Hong Mei. That really is a lovely song and a, a very lovely sentiment behind it. All right. Uh, next, let's welcome to the show Archana, who will tell us about some of the exciting programs we have on our November calendar. Archana? Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Archana, and I'm very happy to introduce you to the nice mix of adult programs coming up for you in November. They deal with three important facets that make our lives more pleasurable, art, music, and food. Now, artists have long been drawn to the natural world to stimulate their creativity, the rich symbolism, diverse color palettes, and delicate changing nature of flowers have been a source of inspiration across cultures for centuries. Come join us for this virtual talk on the evening of November 1st at 7 p.m., presented by art lecturer Janet Mandel. You will be introduced to an array of astonishing images from throughout art history, some iconic and some unfamiliar, reminding us why flowers and gardens give us hope, nourish our souls, and elicit pleasure and happiness. American composer and lyricist Stephen Sondheim is one of the most important figures in 20th century musical theatre. 
praised for having reinvented the American musical. From providing lyrics for West Side Story to creating both words and music for such hits as Company, A Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, and Into the Woods, Sondheim has earned his place among Broadway's greatest. On the evening of November 8th at 7pm, entertainment historian John Kendrick pulls back the curtain on Sondheim's life and career. Exciting performance videos and fascinating backstage stories make this a memorable salute to a theatre pro still going strong at 91. This is an in-person program and you're welcome to bring along a friend or family member to enjoy the presentation with you. Now the holidays are also the perfect time to eat, drink and be merry and our next two programs are in keeping with that spirit. Cheese bladders or boards, they're great to serve at holiday gatherings. And to help you appreciate this delicious and nutritious product even more, we have Carla Grafer, a certified cheese professional and educator, who will help you explore and discover the history of cheese making from prehistoric times to the present. You will learn about the challenges and circumstances that led to the development of different types of cheese. A list of cheeses and where to purchase will be forwarded to the participants in advance of the session. So, at the end of the lecture, those who wish to do so can sample together and discuss the selections. A list of wine pairings will also be included to enhance the experience. This program takes place via Zoom on the evening of November 15th. And then, at 7pm on November 29th, get ready to celebrate the holidays with Tammy Coxon, professional cocktail enthusiast and the chief tasting officer of Tammy's Tastings. Toast the upcoming New Year with a versatile sparkling wine cocktail. Muddle seasonal flavours like cranberry and ginger and shake up a perfect single-serving eggnog and never need to buy a carton again. Tammy will demonstrate these drinks live in this virtual presentation, plus you'll learn the essential cocktail mixing techniques you'll need to follow for almost any cocktail recipe. Recipes will be sent out in advance so you can be prepared to mix along with the class if you wish. So for virtual programs, remember the email, um, the Zoom link will be emailed to you the day before the event. And for in-person programs, there is no registration. You just walk into the library and attend. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Archna. Speaking of programs, I want to talk a little bit about a program we have coming up next month on Tuesday, November 23rd. It's the latest installment of our Classic Movie Tuesdays series, which we started earlier this fall, and on that night in the program room on our big screen, we'll be screening the 2007 film Persepolis. It is uh, adapted from the graphic novel of the same name by Marjan Sartrapi. It's all about her growing up in Iran in the late 70s uh, as the Ayatollah was coming to power. It's about how her family survived that time and how she uh, eventually uh, moved to Europe uh, and discovered punk rock and came of age. It's it's a fascinating story. It's uh, The book is one of the, the few books I've ever read in its entirety more than once. It's a fascinating story. And the film uh, adapts the story fantastically. It, uh, it uh, It's an animated film. So it basically takes the art that is in the graphic novel and brings it to life in a wonderful way. And I'm very excited to be uh, screening it next month. I live down the block. In the middle of 
a revolution. Margie, go to bed now. Marjan is growing up. Stevie Wonder. Julio Iglesias. Nail polish, lipstick. Iron Maiden. And about to embark. What's for the punk shoes, huh? What's this on the back of your jacket? Part of an amazing journey of discovery. Man, you better get going. No more crying. Europe is waiting. You lived through a revolution and a war? Well, yeah. Wow. So it's true what people say. Iranians have no manners whatsoever. She told him she was French. <laughs> now, in a strange new world, as her country changes forever, so will she. From Marjan Setrarpi's best-selling graphic novels... Marjan, don't go! I love you! ...comes the story of a lifetime. In life, everyone always has a choice. ...about finding the strength... Never forget who you are. And the courage to be true to yourself. I've worked 20 years for this country. The Birth of Venus is one of his most important works. I repeat, stop running. It's what you call immodest. Well, then stop staring at my butt. You dare me to take my veil off? You wouldn't dare. Once again, that was from the 2007 film Persepolis, which will be screening November 23rd, Tuesday night, starting at 7 p.m. Um, now, that the trailer you just heard was in English for podcast purposes, uh, but keep in mind we will be screening the film uh, in its original languages, which is mostly French and Persian, with some English and German uh, thrown in. Um, so uh, I hope you'll come and see the film on November 23rd. There's no registration required, but do keep in mind, uh, as with all guests to the library, audience members will be uh, required to wear masks at all times, just so we can continue to slow, if not stop, the spread of COVID-19 in our community. All right, well, as I've mentioned before, in the episode, uh, we are coming upon Thanksgiving and the start of the holiday season, a time when many of us will be uh, spending extra time with our families. So with that in mind, uh, this month I thought I would ask the rest of the podcast crew if there are any particular books, films, songs, etc. that are particularly meaningful to them and their families or anything that they traditionally share as a family at holiday time. And here's what they had to say, starting with Jessica. Hello there, L-Town Radio listeners. Tis the season for enjoying time with family. I have always shared my love for reading with my grandmother, and that includes our sharing of books. Whatever I read, she reads, and vice versa. This love for reading and sharing of what we read began way back in time when I was a child when my grandma gave me a copy of Heidi, a children's book that she enjoyed when she was young. We read the book together, and I think she even braided my hair to look like Heidi's for my elementary school's Dress Like Your Favorite Character from a Book Day. It was a special moment and this special book which kickstarted the bond we share over books today. 
My sister and I also share a special bond, but not over books. Recently, we had a sleepover party and we rewatched our favorite Halloween movie from childhood, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's Double Double Toil and Trouble. It's a really good movie. Well, I can't wait to hear about all of you guys and what you enjoyed reading and watching with your family members and what you look forward to watching and reading with them this holiday season. See you next time and enjoy our L-Town Radio podcast. Bye. Thanks so much, Jessica. And next with her answer is Archana. One set of stories that easily jumps to my mind as being particularly meaningful to me and which I enjoyed while I was growing up and also shared very happily with my children are the Panchatantra tales from India. Comparable to Aesop's fables from the West, uh, the Panchatantra tales are a collection of Indian animal fables believed to be compiled between the 3rd and 5th centuries AD. Originally written in Sanskrit, each of these fables has an associated moral. Now the legend about the origin of these tales traces back into the times of King Amar Shakti, who appointed a scholar named Vishnu Sharma to educate his three sons. Vishnu Sharma realized that conventional tools and techniques of teaching did not work well with his indolent and dull-witted princess, and so he decided to teach them statecraft and other values through stories. He therefore wrote a collection of stories under the following five volumes, and they were named as Panchatantra. Pancha means five and Tantra means systems. There's a collection of stories related to winning friends. There's another collection related to losing friends. And then there's a collection of stories about how imprudence leads to losing what is important. There's also a collection of stories that mention how to come out of difficult situations without losing things. And then there's a collection of stories about rules and strategies of war and peace. The Panchatantra has been translated into many languages, including English and various Indian vernacular languages, also Persian and Arabic. Many of these fables employ metaphors of anthropomorphized animals, that is, animals with human virtues and vices who could also talk. These stories are light, colorful and appropriate, even for tiny tots, and they provide valuable morals or lessons without being preachy. A lot of these stories show how the seemingly weak and the powerless can survive and prosper by using their wits and playing on the pride and ignorance of those more powerful. I remember enjoying reading and reading these stories during my childhood, both in book and graphic novel formats. Once I moved here to the US, and on my trips back to India, I made sure to buy a volume or two of these stories, and they soon became the favorite bedtime stories I would pick up to read to my children. Not only were they short reads, but they imparted valuable life lessons in a light-hearted and witty manner. They also helped to introduce my kids to Indian fables and stories to Indian literature. I am happy to see that some of these stories are available in some of the Buckles libraries. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, Arjuna. And up next, once again, here's Katie. Hi, everyone. It's Katie here. So the question for this month, are there any books, movies, songs, which are especially meaningful to you and your family? Uh, First thing that came to mind is a movie that I have referenced on the podcast before, Um, but it is Home Alone. And every year, my family and I have a tradition of after Thanksgiving dinner, after we're all full and stuffed, 
we sit down and we watch Home Alone, and it's our unofficial kickoff for the holiday season. It's something we've done every year. It's something I look forward to. I could watch the movie pretty much every day, all day, because I just love it, and it never gets old to me. But uh, it's something I did with my parents, and it's something that I continue to do now with my husband. Um, You can find Home Alone through the library collection at www.livingstonlibrary.org. And I hope you check it out if by off chance you have never seen it, because it's a good one. Thank you, Katie. You know what? I have to say Home Alone is actually a movie that my wife and I have uh, watched more than once over the years around holiday time. It's not necessarily a yearly tradition. Uh, but we watch it every couple, three years, and sometimes uh, instead we'll watch Die Hard uh, around Christmas time, which, yes, it's only tangentially a Christmas movie, but it's worth watching, at least on a yearly basis. Um, but one one thing we share pretty much every holiday season are the uh, Christmas-themed episodes of uh our favorite sitcoms, uh, particularly The Simpsons, 30 Rock, and Community. Um, each of those sitcoms has multiple uh, uh, holiday-themed episodes that are, are yes, they're, they're silly and subversive and snarky, but uh, each one, I think, also manages to celebrate the, uh, the warmth of the holiday season while also poking fun at it. And and my favorite one of all is an episode of Community called Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Uh, it takes the, the characters from the show and kind of transports them into this uh, stop-motion animated wonder world, not unlike the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Island of Misfit Toys, Frosty the Snowman films you might have seen as a child. And... Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas is just one of my favorite episodes or stories of anything ever, and I look forward to watching it every year with my wife, and uh, now that we have a little girl, I'm excited to watch it with her too, even though she probably won't understand it for a few more years. Um, And here at the library, we have complete season box sets uh, for all those shows I just mentioned, The Simpsons, 30 Rock, and Community. And uh, even if you're not just watching their their holiday-themed episodes, uh, they're great, great watches if you need a laugh, and who doesn't? All right, we're coming toward the end of the show, but before we end, I want to talk about another program we have coming up next month. It's the next meeting of the Unstuck in Time virtual book club that meets on Zoom, Uh, The next meeting is going to be Tuesday, November 30th, starting at 7 p.m., and the book we'll be reading is Audrey Niffenegger's 2003 novel, The Time Traveler's Wife. Now, I I remember this book being a huge hit when it came out, um, and of course it was eventually turned into a film in 2009 starring Eric Bana and Rachel McAdams, and it's actually going to be adapted again into an HBO series uh, soon, but... uh, in spite of how much I love science fiction and especially time travel stories, I just never got around to reading this one, so I'm very excited to read it. I just started reading it earlier, and uh, I, I'm already hooked just 
by the beginning of the prologue, and I'd like to share some of it here. <clears throat> Claire. It's hard being left behind. I wait for Henry, not knowing where he is, wondering if he's okay. It's hard to be the one who stays. I keep myself busy. Time goes faster that way. I go to sleep alone and wake up alone. I take walks. I work until I'm tired. I watch the wind play with the trash that's been under the snow all winter. Everything seems simple until you think about it. Why is love intensified by absence? Long ago, men went to sea and women waited for them, standing on the edge of the water, scanning the horizon for the tiny ship. Now I wait for Henry. He vanishes unwillingly, without warning. I wait for him. Each moment that I wait feels like a year in eternity. Each moment is as slow and transparent as glass. Through each moment, I can see infinite moments lined up, waiting. Why has he gone where I cannot follow? Henry, how does it feel? How does it feel? Sometimes it feels as if your attention has wandered for just an instant. Then with a start, you realize that the book you were holding, the red plaid cotton shirt with white buttons, the favorite black jeans, and the maroon socks with an almost hole-in-one heel, the living room, the about-to-whistle tea kettle in the kitchen, all of these have vanished. You are standing, naked as a jaybird, up to your ankles in ice water, in a ditch along an unidentified rural route. You wait a minute to see if maybe you will just snap right back to your book, your apartment, etc. After about five minutes of swearing and shivering and hoping to hell, you can just disappear. You start walking in any direction, which will eventually yield a farmhouse where you have the option of stealing or explaining. Stealing will sometimes land you in jail, but explaining is more tedious and time-consuming and involves lying anyway, and also sometimes results in being hauled off to jail, so what the hell? How does it feel? It feels exactly like one of those dreams in which you suddenly realize that you have to take a test you haven't studied for, and you aren't wearing any clothes, and you've left your wallet at home. Again, that's from The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Niffenegger, the subject of our uh, next meeting of the Unstuck in Time Virtual Book Club. That's going to be on Tuesday, November 30th, starting at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Be sure to register so you can get that Zoom link. Um, and we'll have copies of the book in print here at the library that you can check out. Uh, we also have audiobook editions available through Libby and Hoopla and an ebook edition available through Libby as well. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this episode of L-Town Radio. Thanks to our crew uh, for all their contributions, Katie, Archana, Hongmei, and Jessica. Thanks to you, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in again next month, and of course, I hope you'll come by to the, to the library to visit us as we are, again, open seven days a week. Of course, you can still access all our online and digital resources through our website, livingstonlibrary.org. Don't forget to follow our blog at blog.livingstonlibrary.org. You can follow us all over the internet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify, uh, where you can listen to and subscribe to this podcast. Till next time, stay safe, stay kind, and stay curious.